You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hey, how's it going? I hope it's wonderful, and I have a wonderful show for you today. I think you're really going to enjoy it. I know I enjoyed the conversation. But before we get into that, I have to tell you about a couple things. One of them is Fox Pedal. This show is brought to you by Fox Pedal this week. They are making high-quality effects right here in the U.S. of A. They're located in Tulsa, Oklahoma, because I'm seemingly obsessed with telling everyone where everyone is located. I don't know why, but I do it. Um, we actually gave away a Magnifica at the Tone Mob Pizza Party at NAMM this year. They make great pedals. You've probably seen The Wave, The Kingdom, a bunch of other stuff. They've been around for quite a while, making really, really great sounding effects. And guess what? They come with a lifetime warranty. So you don't have to worry. You can stomp on them at your leisure, and it'll all be fine. It'll be gravy. They stand behind their products. They make really great stuff. It's all just gorgeous looking. And they've got some really, really cool products coming down the pipeline that I am excited to tell you about when the time is right. But it's not right. Actually, if you just Google the Fox Pedal Quiver, you'll see it. You'll see what I mean. But yeah, they make great stuff, so make sure you go to their website, foxpedal.com. Check them out today. They've got a ton of great stuff out there, and they got more in the pipeline. So make sure and check them out, foxpedal.com. And furthermore, we are brought to you by Gun Street Wiring Shop. Gun Street Wiring Shop out of Bend, Oregon, made by one of my favorite human beings in this business, Mr. Sean Arbo. If you've got a guitar that needs the wiring upgraded, and you probably do, look no further than Gun Street Wiring Shop. They do everything one at a time, small batch stuff. They make everything custom to your specs. So if you got some wild, crazy ideas you want to experiment with, shoot Sean an email. He'll get you set up with exactly what you need, and he will walk you through the process. And don't worry, if a guy like me can do it, you can do it too. So don't worry. Go to GunStreetWiringShop.com, check out what they have to offer. If you don't see exactly what you need, feel free to email Sean. Ask him. Say, hey, I need uh, need something for my BC Rich, and I want to get nuts with it. So go to GunStreetWiringShop.com, check all that today, and tell him I sent you. Okay, let's see. We talked about guitar wiring, and so that means guitars. We've talked about pedals. What else might you need to connect it all together? Oh, yeah, you might need some cables, some sinusoid cables, sinusoid pro audio couture out of Seattle, Washington, or Oregon's hat, as I like to refer to it. These guys have been supporting the show forever, so just know when you go over there to purchase your latest set of pancake cables, uh, you know, your latest instrument leads, your Sasquatch speaker, speaker, speaker cables, whatever you might need, you're helping support this show, and you're also supporting a brand that really does care about giving back to the industry, and just a great bunch of guys making some fantastic and, might I say, gorgeous products. They just come out with some new tech flex that is just, whew. You never, you know, you don't get excited about cables. Cables kind of boring. Sinusoid will change that for you. They make cables exciting. It's great. So make sure you go to sinusoid.com, build the cable of your dreams in their custom cable builder, and do so knowing you're supporting the programming that you love. That's what CBS says, or PBS, or 
something, right? I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to be a professional here. I'm doing my best. Anyway, go to sinusoid.com today and make sure you check them out. And one last thing before we get into the show, if you want to help keep some wind in the sails of this weird pedal pirate ship that's floating around in, on the internet here, you can go to tonemob.com slash reverb. That is tonemob.com slash reverb, and that will take you directly to the reverb.com that you know and love. It's just a special link, and anything you do, whether it's buying, selling, uh, just simply signing up for a new account, if this is the first time you've heard of Reverb and you've just never signed up for an account before, using that link and signing up for a new account helps out too and doesn't cost you anything. So anything you want to do through Reverb.com, go to ToneMob.com slash Reverb. It'll take you there, and you can buy all the used gear your heart desires. It's not going to change your pricing. It's not going to raise anything. It's not going to do anything weird like that. But what it will do is help keep this thing going. So if you go to tonemob.com slash reverb for all of your gear shopping needs, and that will certainly help out immensely over here. You guys have been very receptive to this, so thank you very much for everyone that's used it. And yes, continue to do so. It's amazing. So without further ado, I will get into this episode with Mr. Philippe Herndon. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob podcast, a show about guitar tone and the people behind it. I'm your host, Blake Wyland, and with me today, I have none other than Mr. Philippe Herndon of Caroline Guitar Company. Great to have you back, my good sir. Man, it is great to be here, my friend. My friend. How are you doing? I We got started a little late because you were doing some toddler juggling. Yes. I have to leak that. Yes, it's true. I was juggling a toddler and mm-hmm. a baby. Mm-hmm. And that just is the way my life's gonna go now, and that's that's <laughs> fine. I used to have. There's. Have you watched um, this great show on Amazon? That just so like my wife and I cringe with the discomfort. It's hilarious. It's called Catastrophe. No, I haven't seen it. Oh, oh, it's really good. Oh, okay, so I have to do. I have to give one little spoiler. There's a great. Uh, exchange they have with someone else who's become a new parent who's still in like kind of the ridiculous glow at all you know or is really too fired up about it and he's like isn't having small kids like the best thing in the world and the husband says something like yeah i kind of think of having kids as sort of like strapping yourself to the hood of a formula one race car you know your life as you knew it is over but it's not so bad to go out this way (laughs) and and the wife says yeah i kind of think of having kids as like take everything you've ever enjoyed and put it in a box and uh oh well (laughs) (laughs) nothing else after that it's basically like eh, and that's it you know it's really funny show very very funny show but uh yeah i was laughing about uh the bandwidth i used to have to work on things and now i have to like carve out the specific time and i was looking at this apogee setup that i have for uh finally finishing uh albums and songs and stuff that i've been working on for a decade that really don't go anywhere Mm -hmm. and i was literally like man uh i really am looking forward to getting rid of like our toddler's diaper change table so that maybe i can set up my apogee setup again (laughs) 
that would be <laughs> I mean just throw it up on top just call yeah. it a day it'll be fine you don't gotta yeah, change you know, it just put the laptop on there and when she does not have a dirty diaper um, then or, or, or when she does have a dirty diaper I have to move like the laptop and the interface and all the stuff just get it out of the way and then we can change the diaper there where I would have recorded um, but yeah I know it, it's, it's pretty funny thinking about like the, the the time and bandwidth that we used to have for this stuff um and yet i still love it it's still crazy and, uh, and one day i'll be like it, that stuff comes back but uh it's uh you know how old are yours now your how old's your your, your little boy is about the same age as mine right i think so uh vincent is three okay uh, yeah about he's technically probably you know three and a half but he's almost yeah almost four now he's he'll be four in june oh awesome uh, okay yeah and then the the newest guy, Rocky, he's what? He's a little over two weeks old now. So Holy cow, man. I didn't know it was just within the last two weeks. Have you yes. slept at all? See, the, here's the thing. Uh, this whole parenting thing that <laughs> what you were just referring to is my experiences so far have been so much better than literally just about anybody else that I know. Um bastard. <laughs> my my son uh vincent was 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 a pretty good baby you know mm -hmm. fairly average but he was he he wasn't too awful in the screaming and and crying department mm -hmm. but so far at least and i'm i'm still like waiting for the shoe to drop i feel like there's a joke being played on me right now like, yeah rocky is some other sort he's some other sort of kid he's like an alien mm -hmm. all he does is is lay there and be cute and and sleep mm -hmm. and eat and then he'll gurgle a little bit and look around and and be like hey i'm here everyone and then he'll be like okay back to sleep that's all he does yeah that's all he's done for two weeks i keep waiting for the screaming the the up all night the whole you know like mama coming in be like i can't take it anymore you got to take him like i'm keep waiting for that and mm -hmm. no he just he just sleeps and eats He's like the best baby I've ever even heard of. It's insane. But like I said, I'm waiting for the shoe to drop. Like one day the switch will flip and mm -hmm. it'll be a completely different situation. That's what I'm anticipating. I think we had a little bit of the same thing with our second kid. And I was like, I almost wonder if they sense because there's another kid there. They're almost like, oh, it's not so terrible, you know, or something. Right. Maybe they, like, it must know. be safe. They, yeah, they must be okay at this a little bit, you know, like, um, but yeah, it, it's it's uh, you are uh, very very fortunate on these fronts. I I I've I have a variation of a rant that I have given to various people I know who are about to become parents, and I'll spare people for it. But the long and short of it is that if they told most parents what would happen, most people would just never have kids. You know, they have to like hallmark it up to like go like. Hey, isn't this going to be the most beautiful time of your life? And it's wonderful and blah, blah, blah. You know, and they really don't tell people they're like, you might drive somewhere and not realize that you're driving because you're not really awake. You know, and you shouldn't have been behind a wheel. <laughs> yeah. You might just all of a sudden go like, whoa, what am I doing? You know, like, like how did I get here? What is yeah. that? What is this? Yeah. Yeah. You're basically like a, like a younger version of, uh, uh, Marshall's Marshall Ali's character from True Detective season three, just waking up in weird places like what? 
how am I here? (laughs) Oh, geez. I, I hope that doesn't happen to me. I don't, I want to, I want to maintain this hallmark lifestyle that I have grown, grown accustomed to. I would really like that. I just want you to know that you are, uh, really, uh, living on third base right now. I mean, you have like, you have lucked out very well in your current situation. So let's not jinx it. You know? Yeah. I can't even tell you. I mean, the whole, the whole everything. I was antis- I was anticipating this one to because so, Vincent was he was good and yeah. it was it was relatively, uh, relatively easy compared to a lot of people's situations. But man, so far this is just like I'm like, is he an alien? Is he mm-hmm. gonna like hatch? Like what's going on? Why is he being so good? I feel like mm-hmm. he's he's pulling a trick on us. But you know, so it goes. Such is life, right? Yeah, such is life. So have you, have, so we're now a couple months out from Nam. Have you recovered from Nam? Oh yeah, I've recovered pretty, pretty well from <laughs> Nam. Uh, it, I felt like, uh, I, I did okay this time. I've, I've got a, a decent, uh, a decent Nam strategy these days. I, mm-hmm. you know, I take my multivitamins, drink my water. Uh, this, this, we did have one mishap as far as the, in the feeling good at Nam. Uh, stage where we accidentally stayed up, uh, me and my good friend Jess and, and Mr. Leon from Pelican Noise Works, we accidentally stayed up so great. way too late smoking cigars uh, mm-hmm. one night, and that threw a, a bit of a wrench in my feeling super great the whole time plan. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but it wasn't the worst thing in the world. So it, it you know, we stayed up till like four in the morning or something smoking cigars and then got up and went to the last day of NAM. But it wasn't. It, I, I felt. I've definitely felt worse at Nam. So we're doing. We're doing okay. Mm-hmm. How about you? Did you recover? I, we couldn't even talk. You were like, I was like, Hey, Philippe, and you're like, ah, ah. Dude, I got beaten up so bad. I, I, I always, I, I always just Nam is like more of a violent injury attrition for me. You know, it's like by the end, I'm walking around like. Like one of those football games where Emmett Smith separates his shoulder but feels compelled to keep running. <laughs> yes, you know? Yes. Like, it's like Emmett's gonna peel himself off the ground again after another four yard gain for a first down, you know. Um and it's like uh yeah, I I I, I looking back, I have to say, I think I figured out that the smartest person on an engineering and maybe a factual front in our entire business might be Brian new neighbor. Okay. Um, Because Brian new neighbor sat there throughout Nam wearing noise canceling headphones, Mm -hmm. basically like this, like this Buddha at his booth with headphones on. (laughs) Now he, he said that it kind of intimidated some people from speaking to him because they thought he was doing very serious work, you know, as he's listening to podcasts or whatever. Right. Uh, but, but I was thinking about it, I'm like, my God, what a genius solution, you know, uh, so much for, so that I uh, came home and bought noise canceling headphones for the next time I have to do a NAM. Um, but I will also feel compelled to put up like a little sign or something that says, feel free to disturb Philippe. He's not working on it. <laughs> he's, you know? he's not in the zone. He's just yeah. trying to trying to maintain composure right now. Yeah. I might be listening to Radio Lab, like an hour of uh, 10 hours of Radio Lab or um, 
you know, or revisionist history or something like that. So. I'm sure that what Brian was listening to the entire time was probably every single episode of the Tone Mob podcast. I'm <laughs> yes, sure. Yes, absolutely. Oh, what am I doing talking about other poet podcasts while I'm here? There are no I'm... other podcasts. They don't exist. This is the only one. Right? Yes, no other one. No other one. So, so um, but yeah, so it was, uh, you know, I, it took me weeks and I, I still, it's funny thinking about, um, thinking about the industry as a whole uh, months later upon like, well, what did we learn and what has been absorbed? Right. And where is the thing, the thing going? Right. Um, and then after like, now it's like, it's like, I have enough distance to look back and see like, okay, this is where things are going. Things are where things aren't. Um, but uh, I, I got, I got to get on my soapbox for a little. Um Hop up there. Yeah. I got to say, I, I have this mixed feeling, but I got to say, I really hope amps don't go away. Ah, you I know? see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. You know, cause it's like a part of me. I, I saw so much stuff about emulation and so much stuff about the, like, you know, everybody was showing a lot of the stuff we're seeing inset now of uh you know everybody going direct everyone using cab simulators everyone going uh towards what the i call the silent stage which is the uh i i just i'm just not a fan um i think of it as like a weird perverse uh dream fantasy of like frustrated sound engineers um that in the real world when you practice with a drummer, you need to be loud enough to be over a drummer. That's just mm -hmm. a fact, you know? Right. Right. Um, and I love and miss the feeling of, or not miss, I, I crave the feeling of having a direct connection to you're playing with a guitar and you are creating alternating current running through those magnets and the voltages are respective to how much dynamic force you've applied to the strings. And those get reflected in a real guitar amplifier. You mm -hmm. know, like, oh, I played louder. Amp got louder. I played quieter. Amp got quieter. You know, like, um, and I think it's something I don't know if that can really be replicated. I think it can be recreated in a crude sense, but I think it's something that, uh, I really think is still important and needs to be really protected and magical. Flip side of this is that a lot of people who had amplifiers who were just using them for god awful things. <laughs> <laughs> I think that I might fall into that category. No, oh, no, 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 no. Trust me, I've heard you play. No, you are not doing the god awful things I'm talking about. <laughs> but I was just like, oh gosh, you know. Now I understand why a lot of people want silent stages or whatever you know and here i am i'm talking about wearing noise-free headphones at these things i think maybe there are too many amplifiers it's almost like that always sunny episode when like they get really committed to freedom and then all of a sudden frank is having people playing russian roulette in the basement <laughs> yeah. re reenacting the deer hunter and they're like yeah. we have too much freedom you know like it's like that that's how oh, i feel man. about amplifiers like maybe we had too much freedom you know um but i worry about making sure people have amps in this world because uh, I don't know. There's something I, I think, you know, still 
incredibly magical about having foot pedals, a limited number of foot pedals and an amp and just saying, here we go. And we're actually playing rock and roll. And when you're playing with amps, you're, it, there's usually an expectation of you're going to be playing with other people and other people are going to change the feel that you have. Uh, and then you all work out the feel of how things sound together as an ensemble. Um, and I think that's still the most magical part of playing music where you've even forgotten about all this gear and forgotten about the stuff that we're working on and all these things. And you're just playing with people and it's, you're playing music with people for people. Um, and it's absolutely fantastic. And I just worry, um, when everything goes into the realm of direct, you know, where you're not making any volume except to whatever is receiving the interface, whether it be your laptop or your, you know, the front of house or whatever. Um, it sort of lends a, a little towards like a, a concern, a little bit about a bowling alone phenomenon, you know, where it's like everybody's playing these tones in their house by themselves, you know, and maybe people do that with amps and pedals and stuff already. Um, but I'd like to, you know, I worry that it, when it becomes so, um, when we've done so much to micromanage these things or manage these things, um, you know, we don't want the volume of amps or we don't want it to be too heavy so they're not as portable. Yada, 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 yada. Uh, we don't want loud on the stage. We don't want, you know, to have to, you know, negotiate those things you know at some point it neuters things to the point where it's like meaningless you know are we going to start are we going to start putting gaffers tape all over drummers cymbals now you know <laughs> are we going to start you know making drummers take off the snares you know when they play rock and roll um like at some point like i, I never knew this the mission was the silent stage you know, I never knew that was the operational top priority of a public performance of music. Uh, but it seems to be the direction for some people. So, uh, there's a lot, there's a lot to, to, to talk about there. I have so yeah. many, so many thoughts and, and observations on, on that, on that line of thinking. And, um, as far as the silent stage thing goes, I don't know. I, I, I definitely see, at a lower level that the engineers and, and, you know, venues and churches and wherever else are definitely pushing for that. Like that's mm -hmm. definitely something they're interested in because it makes their life easier. That said, mm -hmm. I still go to a, I don't go to nearly the amount of concerts I used to go to, but mm -hmm. I still go to, you know, so I, a good national band will be coming through and I'll know about it. We'll plan ahead and we've got, you know, back to the dad stuff. We've got enough close family that we can usually find somebody to take the kids for the evening. Mm -hmm. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And none of those bands that we're going to see have silent stages. No, not at all. Not at all. Mm -hmm. No, nor are they interested in it. And mm -hmm. I don't think that's ever going, going anywhere. Mm -hmm. Cause if you, if you went up there and it was just like all coming out of the loudspeakers and everyone was running floor units and stuff, it'd be like, what? It wouldn't sit right, I don't think, with with audience members, even even the audience members who don't really know what's going on. Mm -hmm. Like they'd be like, something's off. Some energy thing is off here. What's what's uh, what's the deal? Mm -hmm. That's my theory. And also, you know, in as far as like if there's like a death of the amplifier coming or something, 
I also think that's that's hard to that's hard to know too. I know that amp sales overall have slowed if you look at like mm-hmm. all the industry reports and that stuff. But on an individual level, there are certain companies that are doing great. Uh, our mutual friend Mr. Benson is like a year back ordered. Yeah, uh, you know, Milkman's doing really well. Orange doesn't seem to be having any issues at all, and their whole thing is built on loud rock and roll. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like I, I had a weird like sort of moment yesterday when uh, a listener, uh, Ricardo. Hi, Ricardo. Uh, he's a great dude. And he sent me a little care package with a bunch of stuff in it. One nice. of which was a, uh, a Digitech GNX. I think 3000 is what the number mm-hmm. is. I can't see it from here, but it's I mean, it's the helix of its day. That's basically yeah. what it is. Yeah. And uh, wow. What a fun noisemaker. Like I <laughs> I can make some wild sounds with that. Um but uh I feel like this whole thing and, and I, I had a less concise and a little more rambly conversation about this with the Mr. Wampler yesterday on his podcast. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's I think it's all cyclical. I think we're you know, we're gonna see everything kind of go into the silent realm and some people will be like, you know what, I'm tired of this. I want to play I want to play some rock and roll, man. And Mm -hmm. uh, we'll see kind of a, a, you know, it circle back. It always seems to circle back. And I know that the past is no indication that that's 100 percent going to happen again. But it certainly seems to be the case. Yeah, I think there's something to be said as well with our expectations of what we want from live performance. I understand. I was thinking about this. Um because I've, I've been doing some shows as a part of a Foo Fighters tribute band called Hey Johnny Park, and it's been a blast. And uh, I was thinking about this, like, if I were running one of those setups, I could probably dial up a lot of stuff where I could be like, okay, I'm going to dial up a tone very much like the first Foo Fighters record. Okay, now I'm going to very much dial up almost like that kind of almost heavy metal sound that they used on songs like Run or something. And I'm going to dial up uh, this kind of, you know, rat into a sun sound that they were using on um there's nothing left to lose kind of thing right yeah i could probably dial up a lot of those sounds pretty close right and it might be convenient for playing some of these shows that we do except i don't think the audience really care about how tight you're trying to nail those tones I don't think they do, even in a tribute band situation where people really want those songs. What I think they care about is band sounds good and is playing the songs well. And I was like, I feel I sounded better, just like a flat line, baseline better, like objectively, like this is better, right? With a 45 watt tube amp and a handful of pedals running in front of it. And I was like, that sounds great. And I was thinking about this, you know, not to open a can of worms on a controversy, but uh, on this, but it was such a sharp contrast for me. We got to see the Pixies and Weezer <clears throat> uh, a while back. And it was in a big uh, arena here in South Carolina. And Weezer ran pretty much everything direct. I think they ba- the bass player was running a amp. I think I, I think he was running an SVT of some kind. And things but the guitars were all direct and i just thought they sounded the guitar sounds were so bad in my opinion like i just was like this 
sounds like presets. You know, like they sounded like the the, the presets you got from an old thing. You know, just like that automatic. Like it just was not good to my ear. Um, and I think part of the reason it sounded really rough to me is the Pixie sounded amazing right before mm -hmm. then. You know, I mean, yeah. Joey Santiago's running, <clears throat> Joey Santiago's running Marshalls and a Vox. Frank Black's running a Vox. Or, or Santiago's running Marshalls and a Vibralux. Frank Black's running a Vox. Uh, Pazla Shanton, who is just fantastic. She's just great. I mean, it's like she sings great, plays bass great. It's it's just like you could just feel us all, all the dudes there, seeing her filling in, um, just falling in love with her. I mean, she was just fantastic, and she just sounds great with a big SVT and a precision bass, you know, playing with a pick, and she sounds right, you know, and it all sounds like oh, this is what we think. This is what rock. This is like what the real hand. It's like that Ron Swanson versus um, what's his name burger competition in Parks and Rec. <laughs> um, do you remember that episode at all? Like no, Rob Lowe and Rob Lowe and Ron Swanson are going to have a burger competition. Rob Lowe makes some like amazing turkey burger with like a, 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 a balsamic reduction and uh, fresh greens or something. Just this amazing thing, right? And like uh, Aziz Ansari's Tom Haverford eats it and goes, oh my God, this burger tastes like how I imagine Beyonce smells. You know, like it's just so... Like, <laughs> It's so like everyone's like, oh yeah, I've never experienced this. Way. And Ron Swanson comes out with like, this is meat I purchased from Food Lion, buns purchased from Food Lion. There's ketchup here if you want it, you know. And so like just burgers that he's grilled, and they're just like, oh Ron, I wish you'd taken this. They're like, oh, this is better. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this like, is better. Here we go. It's better. Sorry. Yeah, this is better. It's over. You know. And the other thing I think about is the interface of a lot of these devices. You know, I'm not meaning to criticize them because I think they're technical marvels, but there's a paradox of choice where it's like, if you have a million things, I saw a discussion forum where people were recently rambling where like, it's like, there, it, it was almost idiocy. There's almost this tone among the posters. There was idiocy if you didn't use... Uh, I think it was the helixes or the uh, the fractals. If you didn't use parallel amps or parallel cabinets, like you were really doing yourself a disservice, right? And I'm like, how many stupid functions are in this thing that nobody would think about using, except they feel compelled to use them because they're in there, you know? Like, are they comb filtering their EQs where there's like some frequencies up, some down, some up, some down, some down up, you know? Are they... Um, doing variable impedance buffers based on what effect they're using. You know, like there's so much you can deep dive in that is stuff that you would never do when you were playing live with like a guitar and pedals and amp, where you're like, oh, I'm not using this pedal. I'll just turn it off, you know, or yeah. I'm only going to use, I'm only going to use this pedal for 30 seconds of the set tonight. Might as well just leave it home. You know, I might as well just take a small board because no one's going to notice that I didn't bring it. You know, and the idea of like you start with this neutral sound that's like your guitar and your amp, and you start at zero from there, it's almost like unfathomable that you would 
with a device like that. I, I have a hard time imagining myself using a device like that and starting at a total neutral baseline without like a lot of massaging first. Like, don't I want to dial up some here? Here's a barely noticeable level of compression that will always be on, you know? <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I feel like you would, wouldn't you? Yeah, like because you have it there. You're like, surely I'd have to do that. You know, let me let me massage this a little bit, you know, Um Sort of like if you were recording to tape, there's some stuff that you would let fly because you're like, fuck it, we're in tape. We can punch that out or not. Whereas like if you're recording to a digital audio workstation, you're like, hey, let, let, let's go ahead and normalize, quantize this beat. You know, let's go ahead or uh, do this stuff that you just would not do um, if you were uh, going at this. So I don't know. Devices are cool. Um, I can see the value for it. I can see there's some settings i agree like small churches and stuff like that where they just cannot have you showing up with your super lead overdrive soldano you know at four you know and cranked out and blasting the first front the front row of worshipers there you know um but i miss and love amps that's my thing i love amps you hear that chris benson you hear that people at new vintage you know hey you hear that i love amps we love you know? We love them. I am crazy about amps. You know, it's it's nuts. So, um, other thing I got to ask you: Have you? Uh, are there any old albums that you've taken a deep dive into lately? Old old albums. Let's see. Yeah. Um, not not nothing. Not anything like super old. I've I went and revisited a lot of. Uh, a lot of stuff from my formative years, mm-hmm. which isn't really that old, you know, mm-hmm. uh, by comparison. And so I don't know. I, I recently had uh, Kurt Ballou from Converge on the podcast, and mm-hmm. that made me deep go deep back dive into their back catalog, which, mm-hmm. again, isn't that old, but they've been mm-hmm. around for a while. And uh, yeah, I've been dialing up some of these uh, some of these early 2000s like uh, post hardcore bands and stuff that I used to listen to all the time and uh, all these old metalcore bands and things like that. So yeah, I've been kind of revisiting my teenage years a little more heavily than, mm-hmm. than not. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, nothing, nothing too, too drastically old though. I could say How, anything you that you would something? call a. Well, I'm just, I'm curious about this because I like anything that you would consider a guilty pleasure. Or something that you were almost like, I wouldn't say ashamed of really liking when you were in those formative years that you revisit versus, you know, stuff that we know is like fundamental to who we are. Yeah, so I, I've been thinking about the the whole guilty pleasure thing a lot lately, and I've talked about yeah. it on, on this show and a few other shows uh, that I've got, you know, fortunate enough to be a guest on, and I'm kind of over it. I'm over mm-hmm. the whole notion of a guilty pleasure. I had mm-hmm. so many guilty, quote unquote, guilty pleasures when I was a teenager because I'm like, I'm a hardcore punk rocker. I don't, I don't listen to anything that could be considered melodic or poppy or soft, even though I 100% did all the time. I would never let mm-hmm. anybody know that because that's just not part of the deal, man. Yeah, and and uh, we got a front like we're hard, man. Yeah, front we're, like. I got street cred to maintain, you yeah, know? Yeah, I had so much street cred as a pasty white suburban 
kid. I had so much. I had so much I could eat it, man. I could just eat it. Like when I was hungry, I'm like, you know what? I don't even need food right now. I can just eat my street cred. Yeah, I got so much. Yeah. Yeah, so much. Here, I'm just going to pull out some of my pocket and put it in a pita wrap and um, mm, yum, delicious. Mm, You know? So good. So good. I might squeeze it in my foreman grill, put some cheese on my street cred, put it in a pita wrap, (laughs) make it a panini. I got a street cred street cred panini here i'm just gonna and there we go man you know i feel like street cred wouldn't even taste that good it's kind of lame no um but but yeah no seriously i don't i don't have any of that anymore like there's nothing i'm like i hope nobody finds out that i was listening to lady gaga today i don't have that Mm -hmm. anymore that doesn't exist i'm like does this song jam or does this song not jam that is mm-hmm. all the criteria I need. And if I walk into somewhere and I hear Bruno Mars playing, I'm going to be like, this song jams. And that's mm-hmm. all there is to it. So, yeah, I don't care anymore. Is where yeah. I'm going. Is that an old I man still, thing? What is that? I don't know, because I <coughs> I still have my hangups. I still have guilty pleasure hangups where I'm like, I don't know if people will take me seriously anymore as a musician or person. If I admit I love this stuff, you know, um, but. We were talking about my friends and I got on a little rant about this. It was kind of hilarious because we were talking about the Met Museum. You know, have, have you heard about this Met exhibit with all the classic guitars and stuff? Oh yes, I have. Yes. So, so it, it, it's like the, exa- the exhibit's fantastic, right? Um, the content of what they have there—it's—it's it's just you have to go see. Like I'm, tr- I'm sitting there like trying to figure out when I can get to new york between now and october so i can go and i saw a really interesting discussion on a facebook page back and forth between um the legendary joe gore uh if you know joe he's you know been guitar player for lots of people pj harvey courtney love and guitar player editor great reviewer makes cool fuzzes too and uh michael azarad who's the guy who wrote (laughs) come as you are and um about Nirvana and yeah, and my band can be your life, which is like a formative yeah. book for me. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there I was, witness to a pretty high level debate about the virtues of the content of the exhibit. Right there, amongst two people, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, people should pay to, to get to hear this, and I'm getting to see this just them griping back and forth on Joe Gore's wall. It's awesome, um, and they're ba- debating some of the referencing of it in that there's this kind of this idea of uh, that Joe was taking some exception with that kind of rock and roll sprung from Chuck Berry's head, kind of like Athena from Zeus's head, you know, like he's the guy who just sort of created it, you know, and um, they both were kind of having some debate about this because, you know, Gore is kind of pointing out like, this is a lot, a lot of what Chuck Berry was doing is kind of a, similar to what black churches in the 1950s were doing like sister Rosetta Tharp and, and stuff like that. And then, um, and then Azarad is sort of seeing as like, well, he's really kind of amplifying lead belly songs and playing them loud and fast, you know? Okay. Uh, and Azarad saying he deserves credit for this in the same way you could argue Eddie Van Halen kind of creates tapping. There were people who tapped on their fingerboards before, but Eddie Van Halen's the person who like, here is tapping. And it kind of, you know, he yeah, packages okay. it. It's not a, 
obtuse thing that like a, an odd jazz guitar player might have done once um, in 1968, but as something like here it is, you know, yeah, here's sort of the like whole song that is almost yeah. exclusively tapping. Yeah, it sort of is like does Kurt Cobain create grunge? You know, became sort of art. You know, side debate from this like. Does Kurt Cobain create? It'll be interesting when our generation is creating our museums, right? Because this is still very much a boomer created museum. That's who's running the Met and controlling, you know, who puts these exhibits together and who the audience is still for, right? It's still for. I was going to say, it is for boomers, but it was interesting with that in mind to see that Tom Morello's stuff was in there. Because I don't. Yeah, oh, of course. I don't think of Rage as a boomer focused band too much, even though I no, guess they- not focused, but it's, it's yeah, they, they, that's like their acknowledgement of the history going past their central. But I guess the, 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 the writing of the history of it is still sort of like, Hey boomers, how old were you when you first heard rock and roll? You know, are you still listening to rock and roll? Like, um, I don't know. I still feel like it's still, I don't want to say, centered around them but it kind of is like the uh, that 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 age range of the audience that's going to the met to see this it's like the rest of us exist in the orbit around it or ahead of it or behind it you know but we're the central orbit of it is still i think kind of boomer centric you know um but i think it's interesting i was like when that orbit then becomes centered around gen x and millennials writing the history of what music we cared about how will that history be written you know will it be written in a musicology sense sort of like what joe was sort of pointing out or in a sociological sense like sort of what azarad was saying which is it kind of doesn't matter that steve hackett might have tapped on a fretboard five years before eddie van halen it doesn't really matter you know Mm -hmm. eddie van halen is who it's sort of like it doesn't really matter that uh, the Pixies played loud and quiet, quiet, loud, quiet, loud dynamics because it doesn't really matter that they did that so much when you think about Kurt Cobain really introducing that dynamic to people. You know, uh, how will it be written when uh, when stuff like that comes out? And who will be considered the influences of like 90s alternative music? Who will we look at like... Kurt Cobain is the guy who blew up the Death Star, you know? Right, like, totally. Are we, who I'm curious is like, are we going to really talk about Kurt Cobain blowing up the Death Star? Or are we going to talk about who steals the Rebel plans or who steals the Death Star plans? Or are we going to talk about that rogue leader that like had the shot, but all he did was kind of hit the exhaust pipe, you know? And he shakes the Death Star, but he doesn't blow it up. It's like, it's hit, negative, just scratched the surface. Is that guy, get, who's that guy? in that story, you know? And, um, but anyway, this is a really long sideways talk to how we started talking about, we started listening to albums and I was laughing, but, uh, you know, we think of like, when you think about nineties, alternative rock music as a thing, how much of this also becomes like marketed and like certain cultural aesthetics or how the people dressed or who was listening to this music versus the actual music itself. Because when I listen to the production on something like the color and the shape by uh, Foo Fighters, which is, I think one of the most important nineties rock albums, you know, like you 100%, have never, yes. yeah, you have Nevermind and 10 
kind of existed like this top tier and then the tier immediately below it i think of stuff like um live through this by hole and the color and the shape by foo fighters and, and a handful of other others right uh but when you listen to the production on color and the shape i was like i was on spotify and it hit me exactly what it reminded me of and it started creating this laughing about the guilty pleasures or stuff that doesn't get talked about as much or whatever but it, it led to this deep dive for a few days i said the production on the color and shape is really a lot less like the melvins and almost identical to the production on operation mind crime by queensreich okay oh i seen you posted something about that the other day is that yeah. for, this is the one that kind of inspired that was the operation yeah mind so it made us like we started re-listening to mind crime and it was funny like there's even like those little touches you know like you know how everlong has little like the talky parts and those breakdowns where it just sort of builds up there's like um the talky stuff where like the riff breaks down real quiet and there's like that kind of almost pink floyd like <laughs> like distorted mic talking kind of thing mm -hmm. like that is all over mind crime <laughs> I mean, it's like, <laughs> and there's like kind of these crunchy parts and the way the drums are sound even. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm scratching my head. Like how much of this, how much, how much do when we define genres is about like cultural forces as opposed to the actual music itself, you know, how much of it is that sociological stuff like Azerod is talking about versus the actual musicology of this, you know? Because no one puts no one puts mind crime in like '90s alt rock, right? No, no they're looking at, at that like not at all. Like they're gonna say, "Oh, that's an '80s hair rock band that did a concept album," you know. Um, but no one is gonna associate it even with like the political rock of Rage Against the Machine or whatever, right? They're not they're not gonna even they're not gonna put it even with like a political kind of punk hard rock that you know they're not going to put it with a political punk hard rock or something like bad brains you know yeah. um so it was just funny but then it, it led me to this deep dive on uh list, going back and listening to operation mind crime and it's really interesting to me what stuff ages well and what doesn't you know uh it's fascinating it, it, i i couldn't help but think about it like but also how central, like, it's so weird how central guitar is uh, to all of that stuff. I mean, of course, there's great dr drumming, great bass playing, but it's like those two guitar players are like so central to, to the construction of every song, not only just like song construction, not, but also the sound of each song, you know, uh, the mood of each song. It's basically all gets set compositionally by the guitar players and then the singing and melodic stuff all builds on it. I'm like, is there anything when, when you look at the pop landscape now, it's almost like with the exception of a few artists, I don't think there's anything where it's as central. It's almost become, I have to wonder like have beats replaced guitar as like the central building component for most cultural set, you know, most mainstream music i think it in a way yeah i think it kind of has in in a lot yeah. of ways um yeah. i don't I, i'm noticing <clears throat> excuse me i'm noticing some interesting parallels though 
with certain types of beats and electronic music and rock music in their in their construction and in the way that some of these things are being produced. If you notice, Mm -hmm. like what's super hot right now are these way over the top crazy beats that if you hear like you can see it all over social media and I'm not like super familiar with the modern rap game and all that stuff. But when I do get glimpses of it in uh, into that world and see live performances and stuff, one of the one of everyone's favorite things to do right now is to drop this huge section where the bass is so extreme and things are pushed so loud and so aggressively that guess what? The speakers are distorting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yes. they're so so like it's a new th- it's like it's almost like the, it's almost like DJs and and beat makers and people involved in electronic music are uh they've been doing that kind of stuff for years but it seems like the mainstream has finally caught up with like distorted bass being a cool thing. And it's mm-hmm. like it sounds very much sometimes like a distorted bass guitar like with some fuzz on mm-hmm. it the way that they're producing it. I'm like, they're like sort of discovering distortion. Uh, at least yes. mainstream fans are sort of discovering distortion for the first time. And it's kind of a funny thing as somebody, you know, deeply entrenched in the rock scene to, to see that, but it's like, Oh no, these guys are purposely saturating their beats to make them break up. They're pushing yeah. things past their limits, just like mm-hmm. rockers do. It's kind of a weird, <laughs> a weird thing. Yeah. No, that's inter- That's fascinating because I heard this. I remember years ago I heard this uh, production on a Rihanna track uh, called uh, "You Need Me" that just totally blew me away. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" I like deep dove on that stuff for a while. And if you listen to the track, is when it gets the distortion or when it gets the chorus, they distort it the low end on the on the on the bass and the synths. To make it sound like it's distorting your speakers, but it's not distorting your speakers. It's actually, it's not even distorting your speakers. It's meant to sound almost like it's rattling your dashboard. Uh-huh. You know? So, like, I had it loud, and I thought my dashboard in my car was getting rattled. You know, like, the vinyl was, like, like that. Like, yeah. you know? Like, but then I turned it down to almost nothing, and it was still doing that. And I listened to it on yes. headphones, and it was still doing that. And I was like, that is hilarious. It's like they were trying to make it sound like, your car is getting screwed up. Like it was meant to sound like the plastic is like shaking. That's the sound you know? I'm talking about. I know exactly what you're yes. talking about. That is yeah. just so like, popular right now. That That, that is that, hilarious. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah, that is oh such a goodness. thing. Like and, and you'll yeah. see it everywhere. And you'll see it even in memes now where there'll be a video where somebody and then like a guy will fall down and then this beat will yeah. drop. And it'll be just <laughs> <laughs> Like that is a thing right now, and that is exactly what I'm talking about. Like people oh are discovering distortion. It's kind of funny. Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. No, I, I think it's a that is a a very cool and uh, interesting sign as this. I, I guess you know I I find myself almost nostalgic a little bit when I was listening to to Mindcrime. How like like wow for a long time it was almost impossible. And it's, it's setting aside the guitar heroism. Of course, there's guitar solos, blah, blah, blah. You know, guitar solos all over the place. But almost for like significant genres of music, like guitar is like absolutely essential, like completely essential. And um, 
compositionally. I guess it's still very much that way, especially in hard rock and metal and things. Um, maybe it, it, I think it, it was just striking to me hearing like, even just like, wow, when you think about different kinds of distortion creating different kinds of riffs, you know, it's like you have a certain kind of crunch sound that yields this, you know, you have a certain kind of saturation sound that yields this, you have a certain kind of EQ curve. Of course, you're going to tremolo pick and chunka, 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 like you can't, you know, and it's fascinating to think about that within just one kind of album um, that uh, I was, I have to say in hindsight, it kind of really holds up. Um, and uh, yeah, that was, that was my deep dive sort of guilty pleasure along with like the Spotify eighties thing, though. I have to say one thing that troubles me when I'm listening to eighties playlists now is uh, certain artists not having the rights to their own work anymore. And so a lot of stuff I'm hearing is like re-recorded versions of old songs. And I can tell they're not the original. Oh, like, what are you talking yeah. about? Like what, what tracks? Like, like I'll put on some stuff for like, like I was on a sh- listening to an eighties shuffle and they were playing like almost like a headbangers ball set from like, uh, like late eighties, early nineties, you know? And it was funny. I was hearing like some song. It might've been like some white lion song or rat song, but I could tell it was like, this is not the original track. Oh, bizarre. like I'm sitting there. Like I'm like, no, that's like the guitar solo. The get- There's a different guitar player playing it note for note. What Vito Brada played in 1988, but they don't seem to have the rights anymore to their old things. So they've re-released Whoever's running that has re-released, whoever's running it for the brand or the label or whatever has re-released it, but it's been re-recorded in some way. And I can tell, I'm like, these aren't the way the drums sounded, and this is definitely not that lead guitar track. You know? And and only people like us would notice. Yes, but you can't help but not notice. Like, as it was happening, I'm like, Cause you know what I'm saying? Like we, there's all those little details are like, this is where the pick scrape comes in. No, it didn't happen. What's wrong here? You know, like, Oh, this is where, no, th- those notes were played with pull-offs, you know, like originally, you know, like you can tell, like it, it just is weird enough that I was like thrown by it. And I've seen this a few times. To- I've heard this a few times and it always catches me. So interesting to know the story like like i'm sure it's a rights issue but like i'm sure every instance is is specific and i'd be like very curious to know like what the deal is it's like you already had it recorded what happened to the original where is it at is it only on cds like where is the Mm -hmm. original version and why can't we hear it on the internet what's going on yeah oh and if like there was one uh thing i don't want to even go into it but there is like there's one artist I was looking for in the Spotify stuff I'll have to tell you about, but apparently there's like some big legal feuds, like really controversial feuds. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you off the record, the story, uh, cause I don't want to get in trouble <laughs> saying something <laughs> conspiratorial, but I was hearing some feud stuff where I was like, Holy cow. Like I deep dive. Cause I was like, why can't I find this on Spotify? This is what I feel like listening to right now. This is, you know, this is the guilty pleasure of my childhood. I want to hear right now. And I heard some stuff that was like, Holy, like, you know, like it, it, like why it's not available. It's, it's pretty, 
pretty crazy. Wow. Pretty now, but now everyone's going to be very curious. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, now we've put it out, that we, uh, but I am not going on record or saying it because it just sounds like, uh-oh, you know, but it hey, was definitely. Well, maybe you could do this. You know. uh, I would like your take on it, but maybe so we don't leave people just totally hanging with nothing. Can you give them a simple phrase to Google that might bring up some things that you do not confirm or or uh, or support in any way, but it gives them something to read? Huh. Um, I would say, uh, I put you really put you on the spot there. Sorry about that. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's like, uh, it's, it's, um, I, I, I'll, I'll, uh, (laughs) Oh no, this must be more serious. I'm really just generally, I was really, like the stuff I ended up reading about this uh, di- in different directions, I was like, really, like, tr- like I was like, man, oh my gosh, this is a, this is, this is, is tough, you know. I'm just saying. All I will say is, an artist, a, a, there, there's a certain acclaimed hard rock music from the late '80s. Uh huh. Not particularly, not particularly huge, but kind of acclaimed. That you cannot find on Spotify anymore, uh, and it involves uh, a lawsuit against the estate of a former member. Gotcha. Okay, that's probably good enough. Yeah, we can probably yeah, and dig it up with. Uh, and 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 I will say that the former member died, and uh, the lawsuit. Uh, it's it's pretty crazy. Like basically, they were like suing there are people who sued the record label that this band was on okay and or at least what i'm seeing of this and it's pretty crazy i'll off the record with you and maybe you will find a more creative way of getting around it okay but i (laughs) but i was just it was just one of those things where i was like holy cow and i was like i don't know if i've wandered into the deep end of Total, you know, total, <laughs> yeah, total. Jeff, Jeff Fuel, Jeff Fuel can't melt steel beams. Oh. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I was, I was like, have I really wandered into the the flat part of the planet here? You know, where people people really think the Earth is flat because they're standing on a flat. <laughs> you know, where they're standing, it's flat. Where's you the know? ice wall? Let's talk about the ice wall. Come on, yeah. Where's the where's the ice wall? Yeah, exactly. You know. But I, but it, it, there was definitely some stuff where I was like, this kind of makes crazy, creepy sense. So um, I see. What but you're yeah, saying. yeah. But yeah, the um, so but back to gear, <laughs> <laughs> not crazy rock and roll conspiracy <coughs> theories. This is the rock and roll conspiracy no. theories podcast. Let's get into it. Rock and roll conspiracies. Podcast. I think everybody should have to watch the winged beetle. In school. <laughs> that man is not Paul McCartney. It's not. He is just a very, very talented Paul McCartney impersonator. That's, that's all it is. Paul so McCartney. talented. He has written 40 years of Paul McCartney-esque music <laughs> as the impersonator. He's that good. He's that good. He's, he's so good. He is so good. He has written... James Bond songs in the persona of Paul McCartney as Paul McCartney that might be as good as anything Paul McCartney would have written 
it, he performed with Dave Grohl in a documentary, and even Dave Grohl couldn't tell that it wasn't Paul McCartney himself. Yes, yes. <laughs> There's something about the ears and the hairline. Very troubling. You know? Oh, man. I totally forgot about that. I did watch that back in the day, and it is like, wow, you guys really you guys really went for it, didn't you? You really, <laughs> really thought that's what was going on. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. I'm not going to lie. Oh, man, I found some awesome. I couldn't link to them. I, I, I could not find a way to link to them, but I'll have to share them. I found some awesome, like, um, old clips <laughs> of, like, people in the 80s playing, like, metal backwards to show that, you know. Oh, that, that they were trying to speak. Led, to Zeppelin, is, speak Led Zeppelin is trying to speak to Satan, you know. It's like. Like, you know, you're just awesome Satan. You know, awesome Satan. You know, what? I don't think that's what that's saying. (laughs) You know, and it's hilarious. There's like, like, it's just like everybody is sitting around. It's shot on like a video camera and everyone's wearing goofy tweed and, you know, and they're, they're sitting at. It's it's definitely got like the you know the seven hundred club looking set and there's like the lady with the big hair and the shoulder a pad suit and her job is to go let <gasps> gasp and cover her mouth. <laughs> oh man, uh, this is why I love having you on. We should do we should be doing it. we should be doing this weekly at 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 the. I mean, this is just this is this is solid gold right now. Everyone knows exactly. I will find I will find that I will find that link and I will put it on the Tone Mob Facebook page for y'all to appreciate um but yeah it is um it's absolutely um it's it's pure gold but i I just love like so yeah i'm not sure how much the conspiracy that i'd read about or the story that i'd read about is like documented fact that people just don't want to talk about because they're uncomfortable you know Uh um you know versus like you're just Satan. <laughs> so you know, I just had this really weird thought, uh, and I and I don't know why I thought it. Maybe because we're podcasting right now. But what yeah. do you think that people back then would say about something? Not something like clearly like as innocuous as as this podcast, but like just the fact that anyone with a microphone and an internet connection can get on there and start saying a bunch of things and people will listen to it. Like what if they played this podcast backwards? Like who knows what they would find? Like I'm like thinking about like how like they were, they were worried about this new crazy rock and roll band, you know, and like it taking over the children's minds and everything. But like, what if they like, what if they like, what if the future became like thousands of people like, giving their children weird ideas via podcast form. Like how much of an uproar would they have been in just to know that like, there's this 35 year old man who sits in his music studio and talks into a microphone for hours. And my son listens to it. And I don't know what they're saying. Mm -hmm. They could be saying anything. Who knows? Play it backwards. I don't know. It's, it's a weird thought. I don't know where I was going with that thought experiment, but no, I, I, I for one do not think that, um, that uh, Robert Plant or Ozzy Osbourne had the forethought to think about what they would sing that could backwards say Satan is awesome. In fact, I can't even think about like I'm looking at like Im so awas and not us. 
I don't think those guys had much forethought at all. Their biggest forethought was, how do I get some more cocaine? Like, that's, what I'm, <laughs> like, that's all they were worried about. Hey, hey, Bob, is that a good enough track? And Bob Ezrin's, like, putting his head, pulling his nose out of a giant pile of snow on the SSL. Yeah, and exactly. Like, <laughs> it great. It's great. Do it, do it one more time just, just to be safe. Just to be safe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just yeah. one more time. Yeah, one more Hold time. Hold on. I, I need to put my head down to listen. Yes. My head down right in the middle of this. Oh, cocaine went in the faders. <laughs> you know? Oh. Uh, okay, well, I guess we're not using cha- using channels 17 and 18 anymore. That's right. We got to un- uh, go ahead and unplug from those. We're going to have to bust those <laughs> over somewhere else. Get a vacuum. <laughs> Boy, this SSL was expensive. I hope this isn't going to be a big repair bill. $500,000 console with piles of cocaine on it. Just, <laughs> oh my God. Like, what, it's almost like you'd rather lose the cocaine than the, the console. Yeah, because the console totally. Was- expensive than the cocaine like oh we'll just have to write off that cocaine that we vacuumed out of the console because yep not gonna get that back <laughs> not getting not getting that back you know <laughs> yeah. i don't think they were i don't think they were going on those fronts so oh man this is awesome yeah good stuff well, before we get, get too far and we just have absolutely no time to talk about anything related to your stuff at all oh we've got new pedals well that yeah, we, we haven't do. even touched about at all okay let's talk about it a little bit okay i'll take a few minutes and talk about it because uh i just got a message from my wife that she's heading this direction so it's like the the type the clicker is going you know yes yes. it's wonderful so um so we are releasing somersault which is our low fidelity modulator and i'm really excited about this thing um we uh we had people asking us about a modulation pedal gosh it's now like a year and change ago um or a year and a half ago when we released parabola which is our tremolo um Mm -hmm. and somersault is what i was working on at the same time as i did the tremolo and somersault i just sort of hit a wall and could not get it to do what i wanted and then shortly before nam i want to say in in november of last year i went back to that breadboard and i started like all of a sudden like let's take this totally fresh and all of a sudden it was like, you know, like you could beat your head against something for like months and it just does not work the way you want. And all of a sudden you're coming out totally fresh and you're like, wait, let's ditch this, do this, do this, do this. And I knocked that thing out in like a week, you know, a week of breadboarding and editing and getting it to where I wanted. And so now it's basically been us correcting a little bit of a noise issue. We had this, we had a noise issue that was driving, uh, me and John Snyder, who's doing our board design from Electronic Audio Experiments, driving us a little crazy. Like, you know, you come home, you crank it on an amp, and it was like this little, like, a mm. noise thing. Yep. Yep. That was driving us crazy, but like nobody at NAM noticed because in NAM, you're basically playing in like a jet engine, you know? Um, but no one at NAM, even people standing directly in front of the amp, noticed it. Even when it was isolated. I didn't notice it. No one noticed it. I was there. Yeah. But I was also laughing at this because we're A-being this. So like a classic, like we have some old boss stuff in our shop, like CE2s and PN2s. And you put those into an amp and crank them up and they will clock noise like mothers. It's really funny. You're like, (laughs) and literally what we had that was driving us crazy was maybe one fifth as much as that 
But I've never seen anyone in any discussion forum ever say like, yeah, found a classic boss chorus or tremolo pedal or flanger, and this noise is unbearable. Like, never. You know, it's funny. It's like you see people, like, have those points of pride, you know, like, check it out. I've added a vintage boss pedal to my board and stuff, you know. Uh, a vintage boss modulation pedal of some kind there. It's like and they're raving and loving it. And you're like, you're not noticing any noise? Either they don't notice or they don't care or as being part of a board where you have a capacitive ecosystem, you know, and you have things, it just gets minimized to where it's just not even there, you know? Like, mm-hmm. like I've noticed that where it's like, oh, it's like this is making noise if this is the only pedal you have and you're plugging in and you turn up a unforgiving amp like an AC15 really loud. Yeah. There you go. You have some noise. Now, I know if we'd put out what we had, I would have had a million people complain or not a million. I would have, you know, enough several dozen people complain that like, "Hey, this thing is making a weird ticking noise and it's driving me crazy." So, I was like, "Okay, we have to knock this out." for our sanity and to also to be able to communicate to people that was something that we took seriously, but no, it's a blast. It's fun. It does like coursey vibrato stuff. And then some weird stuff when it gets glitchy and odd and I love it. Um, and, uh, we've been playing lots of like 90 nineties and two thousand sounding coursey stuff. There's this Pete Yorn album, uh, music for the morning after that has a lot of cool courses on it. And, um, it, uh, uh, it really does some cool stuff. Um, and I gotta say, um, uh, it, we're kind of getting that same kind of thing out of this that I really love. And then there's like a vibrato-y kind of thing that's kind of cool and different. And I don't, I don't know. It's just for our customers and for the people who, get what we do. I think they're going to really love it. So I'm excited about it. And it's, it's just nice making new pedals and stuff that wouldn't have existed if you didn't do it. You know, um, that's been one of the most rewarding things about it. So yeah, so somersault coming. And then I'm also going to announce on this show that we are doing another Caroline corporation pedal. Ooh, yes. My favorite. Yeah. The, an, another stupid thing. And I'm not going to say anything except that it sounds like uh, a very expensive amplifier. As expensive as the last Caroline Corporation? <laughs> oh, yes. At least as expensive. In fact, maybe more expensive. You know, more expensive? You know, what, you, know what, you know what it sounds like? It sounds like... It sounds like... Uh, all I will say is it sounds like... I think I figured it out. It sounds like the most expensive SSL board that Ozzy Osbourne had to vacuum his cocaine out of. <laughs> Please use that. That's what this. That's what it sounds like. Please do. The, the SSL board <laughs> that Ozzy Osbourne and and all the cla- all of your favorite classic rockers had to vacuum cocaine out of is what this pedal sounds like, and you will have is that sound pedal- in your pedal. Does this pedal sound like that board pre-cocaine or post-cocaine? 
Well, that's what the the controls will do. There will be a pre-cocaine setting and a post-cocaine setting. <laughs> and you dial up how much cocaine had to be vacuumed out of the faders. That's, yes. That's, yes. That's, that's, that's the general idea. So it's like, there, there's almost like fresh off the line at the SSL factory with brand new capacitors and and the freshest solder the freshest pure solder and gold gold plated uh, circuit traces or whatever and then on the other side you have uh lightly oxidized and corroded from cocaine and you yes. you dial up how much cocaine is just in. a general dusting of that colombian good good just yeah. sprinkled right in there. yeah right in there but but candidly no the, the, we are doing another caroline corporation being the fictitious 1970s company that left us weird circuits lying around of funny stuff like the Hawaiian pizza. Well, there will be another circuit that we found from our evil science fiction corporate benefactors. Um, you know, in between the times they were sending alien missions to foreign planets to retrieve um, suspicious looking eggs for military purposes and um, right, right. or organizing international um, uh, Thunderball leagues with ultra violence for corporate greed or uh, uh, cloning supermodels in the 1980s to replace them with digital robotic versions. Um, in between all this evil that they did, in the 70s, they did some pretty cool circuits. So we're doing another Caroline Corporation circuit this summer. Um, and I'm excited about it. It's going to be very, very fun. And so... Oh, man. Yeah. This is thrilling to me. Yeah. And I should say, I should... I, I need to point out that the that when we say fictitious, we're just gonna we're just gonna slide that in quotes. Maybe fictitious. fictitious. No, yeah, because the Caroline Corporation, we found some messed up files, man. There's some Oh yeah. Yeah. And then there's like those Senate hearings that they've erased from history, you know? Along with that band <laughs> along with that eighties hard rock band's recordings. <laughs> That's where I was about to go too. Like we're <laughs> never gonna be able to know the true extent of what the Caroline Corporation uh, you know what their impact was even to this day. We There's a lawsuit know. and some people aren't allowed to even acknowledge the Caroline corporation never existed. Kind of weird. They had to do those closed door Senate hearings. You know, someone had to put their hand over a microphone a lot and, you know, kind of look around the room. Like, yeah. Did anyone else hear that? Okay, yeah. That <laughs> there is definitely some stuff. So, <laughs> You know, there are definitely some backwards recordings. Made a lady in shoulder pads with big hair cover her hands, cover her yep, mouth. Yep. You know, oh my yep. goodness! And shake and shake, shake a little bit. And oh. Shake a little bit. You know, yeah. zip 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 Satan. You know, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's um, there's some stuff like that. So we'll you know we'll we'll have to we'll have to see. But the, I, I I promise, if you thought. That Hawaiian pizza sounded like a $100,000 amplifier, but even better and fuzzier and more amazing and did everything you're, you always dreamed of from the expensive amplifier, but then even more. Wait till you see what we do emulating a half million dollar recording console that got filled with cocaine and vacuumed out. So, yeah. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. great. The I Caroline Corporation would do this. Too much. I heard the I heard the sirens. We've been yeah. saying too much. Are they coming for you, dude? Okay, hold on. I'm uh, I'm just you know the nice thing about 
recording these podcasts with you is that I can make sure my computer doesn't go to sleep and I can just fold it up here. I'm going to fold it and put it in my backpack and I'm just going to put that on my back now. And We're just, just going to keep going. That, yeah, nothing, nothing was said. It's nothing, okay. Nothing to see anything. here. I'm just a guy walking down the street with my headphones on talking to nobody. <laughs> that's, that's all that's happening here. Don't you, don't you worry. Don't you worry. Hey, who are you? Why are you following me? Yeah. Okay. Why are you, why are you, Hey, what's that blinky red light over there? What's going on? <laughs> uh, Got to run, Blake, but it has been fun. <laughs> it has more, more fun. More, uh, more updates, and, but as more info comes out, the, the Caroline Corporation stuff. So we'll be doing Somersault. We're doing a Caroline Corporation pedal. And then by the end of the year, we're finally going to do Megabyte, which is the, the kilobyte yeah. that people all, uh, the kilobyte bonus that people have been asking for. Um so just starting to knock out a few things, and but it's going to be fun. So, man, great talking to you. Uh, I hope people appreciate our rambling about uh, kids and uh, rock and roll Everything. and stuff. Yeah. And uh, thanks again for having me, man. And uh, Oh, you're welcome back absolutely anytime. You know that. Awesome, man. Hey, you take it easy, buddy. All right, let's sign off. So for Philippe. This is Blake, and as always, folks, good luck and good tones. Good luck and good tones. Bye. All right, there we go. We did it. There's another one in the can, and you made it this far. So thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you for telling your friends. Thank you for everything you've done to help keep this show going and making it what it is today. It's really been a an insane journey, and um, it's all about it's all about you. You're the reason that we do it. You're the reason that I'm recording this. You're the reason that people come back to be guests again on the show. It's all for you. So thank you so much for listening and checking this out. And if you wouldn't mind, whatever platform you're you know, listening to this on, uh, most of you are on iTunes, but a lot of people go to other places. If there's a way to rate, review, uh, all that stuff, if you could please hit us with a five star and, uh, you know, just tell people why you like the show, that would be amazing. And if you don't like the show, I have literally no idea why you've listened this long to this point in the program, because if I didn't like it, I would not be this far in. You must be a real masochist or something. But either way, thanks for getting this far. means a lot. So, um, yeah, if you could uh, review us and tell your friends, your family, your guitar-playing buddies, whatever, wherever you hang out on the Internet or in real life, that is much appreciated. The show has been growing tremendously lately, and that really means a lot to me because you guys are a big part of that. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And if you need to get a hold of me, info at ToneMob.com. Hit me up on the socials. Follow the Tone Mob wherever you like to internet. And don't forget to hang out in our Facebook group. We have that too. So all kinds of different ways to interact. All different kinds of ways to get a hold of me. And I think that's it. Hold the phone. No, it isn't. You forgot to tell them about Patreon. If you need more of this kind of talk, more of these kinds of conversations, there's about 40 plus hours of more Tone Mobbery over on Patreon. So if you go to patreon.com slash Tone Mob, you can see the different levels that help support the show. $5 a month, which is really not much in the grand scheme of things, will get you four extra episodes at least, at the very least. Four extra episodes 
every month, and they take a little bit of different forms. Sometimes they're longer interviews. There's one up right now with a rock and roll legend. Let me just put it to you that way. It's a, it's, it went live last Friday, and all the Patreon folks have already got to check it out. So if you want to, you know, that piques your interest, if that's something you're into, patreon.com slash tone mob for more tone mobbery in your life. All right, that's it. Talk to you next week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here, I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is ToneMob.com Stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstory as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.